Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Positively different radio in the morning and you're with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Lawson, what is happening in our world today that is making you thankful to be a child of God? Amen. Um, <laughs> so much. Uh, I am sympathetic. Oh man, so yesterday, I was thankful that I got to have dinner with my sister and I made her sushi and last night I got to have dinner with my friends Viviana and Sarah Lee and I made them sushi so I'm just thankful for sushi you were thankful for su- are you going to be thankful for sushi every morning from now on hey do you want to come over to my house and eat sushi tonight yeah <laughs> I remember this conversation from yesterday you're like ah. if I was at your house I would eat sushi what about rice paper rolls do you like rice paper rolls yeah what about noodles? Do you like noodles? Yes. Okay. I have noodles too. Okay. Okay. Two yeah. minutes. Minute. Will I come over some two minutes? No, no, no. Salmon noodles. Like good, good, <laughs> the, the, the real the, ones. The good stuff. Um, so, yeah, and I can be thankful for sushi and noodles tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just... My favorite ethnic food life. is Indian. I love Indian oh, food. There's a really good vegan Indian place up the road from me. Really? Yeah. Okay. Can we give them a shout out on there? They're um, vegan. Yeah, vegan Indian place. Shout out Bay of India. There you go. They're just they're doing the real work. Free they're amazing. They're awesome. I love it. And it's a good price as Where well. Is it like Warner's Bay or somewhere? Yeah. Yep. It's it's what's up. I will go and visit. All right. What are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? The Indian place, not yours. No. <laughs> 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 I am thankful this morning for rubbish, lots and lots and lots of rubbish. Because when you throw lots of rubbish out, you just feel clean. Okay. I was so I'm having a clean out at the moment because I'm planning to move house and I'm throwing lots of stuff away and it's just a good feeling. Mm. You're less stuff. It's good. It's great. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. I thought you were just talking about rubbish in general. I'm like, well, the turtles aren't very grateful, but you know. No, but I'm being super, super careful how I throw it out mm. and most of it's going into recycling. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Very little of it's going into landfill. Mm. That's so good. Oh man, I'm doing a big rubbish cleanup. This is a reminder, you're listening to The Delayed Broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Coming up in today's news, we give you your usual corona update, followed by a news item coming directly from the Vatican. This is Jason Gray.
was Jason Gray with Blessed Be. You're listening to The Breakfast Show and Lawson is about to give us our first clue for our quiz of the day. Yes, I am. What have you got for us there, Lawson? He's thinking about Okay, it. here we go. What, ci- what city am I? Are you ready? Yes. What city am I? Jonathan told Saul that David wasn't present at the New Moon Festival because he had gone to this city. Well, if David was going to go to a city, my guess would be that he might go to the city of this one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, (laughs) Okay, if you can figure out the logical place where David may have gone, then give us a call right now, 1-800-324-843. Or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Man, oh, I tell you what, I'm not grateful this morning. While I was eating this delicious sushi with my friends last night, I bit my tongue. And it's like <laughs> a huge lump on it. It's the worst. Is it up near the back somewhere? No, nah, it's at the front. Look. Oh, okay. Ah. Oh. 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 Ouch. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> Okay. You want to compare war wounds? I'll show you my toe. Oh, no, thank you. I'm okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe off air. I broke my toe two days ago. It's black and blue and all kinds of different colors. <laughs> but, wait, check this out. This is this is revolutionary. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Peanut allergy is becoming a thing of the past. Now, I heard a rumor about this yes. yesterday. So, tell me about it. Yes. So, um, the FDA, the US Food and Drug Administration, um, has officially approved um, America's first treatment for peanut allergy. And that is in the form of a tablet um, called Palforzia, which is like its commercial name. It's a big Um, long name, yep. Palforzia. And basically, yeah, it's this powder-based tablet similar to like a Panadol or whatever, um, that you take and mitigates the effect of anaphylaxis from eating peanuts. So, do you take one of these tablets every day for the rest of your life, or do you take a course and then you're cured? So, there's a course um, that ends with taking one of these every single day. Um, But it essentially goes like, it starts with like initial dose escalation. So, you start taking these pills because the pill consists of like some drugs, but then also peanut powder. And it's kind of like this thing. of Builds up an immunity to it. Exactly. Um, So, you take this pill and then you dose up on it and get bigger and bigger. And then, uh, yeah, so you have a dose escalation and then you start up dosing after that. And then after that, it's just a maintenance thing. And it goes down to like taking the pill once a day and you can... Okay, so I'm just sort of wondering here and I'd love to hear from somebody who has a peanut allergy. Um, So give us a call if you can, 1-800-324-843. Which do you prefer, carrying an EpiPen for the rest of your life or carrying and and avoiding peanuts or having to take a pill every day? Well, this is the thing. For the rest of your life. So... Gemma, who we know very well, yes. is deathly allergic to peanuts. Yes. Like anaphylaxis, like she will die allergic. We will ask Gemma to, this tomorrow. To peanuts. Um, and I know, and that is a whole, like a whole host of other nuts as well that she's allergic to. Um, and I think like the value in this is like, like if she eats a peanut, even if she like ate a peanut and immediately stabbed herself with an EpiPen, she'd immediately have to go to hospital. 
And that's not only peanuts. That's like, uh, I think it's walnuts. Um, she struggles with almonds as well. Like, it's a mm. whole host of nuts that if she eats, she has to stab herself with an EpiPen and immediately go to the hospital. That actually happened when we are up at the uh, um, Arise for Life convocation send-off thing, which is a training, a Bible training school that we both did. It was like a meet-together that we have there every year, and she ate a meal that had almonds in it had to go to the hospital the next day. Wow. For the entire day. So that's Almonds. The Almonds. You, that's the thing. You take this pill. Yeah, so I think this is what I'd do. If I was, if I was Gemma, yes. I'd take the pill and carry the EpiPen. Yeah, sure. You'd keep the EpiPen anyway. Just and, and I would still avoid nuts. Yeah. But if I accidentally eat a nut, I'm probably not going to go to hospital. You're good. You're good, basically. Like, that is the value in this pill. It's like you avoid anaphylaxis. Like, that's that's the point. And I, I don't think the Which point is... kind of like avoiding death. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like if she eats nuts and she goes into anaphylaxis and she doesn't... Imagine, like... She doesn't she, have an EpiPen. She's not able to make it to hospital. She's done. She's done. Mm. So, like... Killed by a peanut. So basically, these people are saving Gemma, which we want to happen because we love Gemma. That would be really sad, but being killed by a peanut. <laughs> that would be. My, my, my wife nearly died on a rocket leaf the other night. <laughs> Rough. <laughs> she breathed in a rocket leaf. Is that because she and doesn't it was stuck like stuck in her lungs? Is that because she doesn't like it or no? No, she loves rocket. It's like a favorite thing to eat. Oh, it was more of a choking. It was part thing. of a yeah, it was a choking thing. Oh, that's and rough. you could hear you could hear it. It was really scary actually because you could hear the the air as she's trying to breathe going past the rocket leaf and it's sort of rattling and gurgling and then of course it would tickle her um her, her uh, you know the back of her throat and she'd want to gag and it was just the worst experience ever. We were that's all terrible. Out. It's like what do you do? I mean, you know, they used to say you do a Heimlich, but that's not going to work on a rocket leaf anyway. <laughs> yeah. You can't, Heimlich a, you can't Heimlich a rocket leaf out. And it's like, if she died, what would you what would you say? My wife died on a rocket leaf? That's tragic. Killed by rocket. Would probably, be. <laughs> <laughs> would probably sound better. Rocket attack. Uh, anyway, let's let's yeah, yeah, move on. Let's move on. Subject. <laughs> um, oh. She's fine, by the way. She coughed it up. No problem at all. Yeah, praise the Lord. Um, wait, quick story. This is this is man. This is an amazing, um, uh, you know, inverse to a tragedy. This is um, an amazing thing that's happened. A mother and her three children survived thirty-four days in the Colombian jungle. By living off of wild fruits and berries after they got lost on holiday. 34 days 30 is not a bad effort. 34 days. So, they were there on holiday. Respect. Uh, and, and they're like, you know, they're pretty avid, like, bush people. And they were there. Um, bush the, people or bushwalkers? Or yeah, both? Bush bushwalkers. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty avid hikers. And they were there to um, actually meet up with the husband who had been um, there in Colombia doing work. Um, and they followed um, oh, this river, the uh, Putumayo River, um, which they unknowingly followed that into Peru. So, mm-hmm. they, they didn't get off the river at the right time. They just kept following it and went into Peru yep. and then just got completely hopelessly lost mm-hmm. for 34 days Yep, and lived in the bush, eating berries and, you know, sourcing water for 34 days. Unless you have seen that rainforest, you have no idea just how 
lost you could get in it. Oh, it's it is crazy. absolutely bizarre. It is thick. It is tropical and steamy, and it is it's just a, a most amazing place ever. I haven't been to Colombia. I've been to Peru and seen the rainforest. It is just you could you could get lost there forever and just never ever um, you know. Never appear anywhere. And the, that's like where these guys are at. They were just completely lost. And they were like, obviously, at that time, interestingly... Um, they chose to survive. They chose to survive. And when they were found, um, they were just struggling from minor mal- malnourish- malnourishment and some, some minor injuries. Like, they were sweet. But they were hopelessly lost. And um, they struggle, They they stumbled upon a local tribe who then um, luckily weren't like cannibals or anything. And they called the... You don't really have those there anymore. Uh, you know. <laughs> but they do have some uncontacted tribes in Brazil. In Brazil, yes. We don't know what... I don't think they're cannibals. I was, I was, just, I was just stereotyping. Just Sorry, I, I apologize. Um, but yeah, the, the the local tribe they called the Peruvian authorities, and they were picked up, and they were looked after, and they're they're good. Ah, that's fantastic! What a great story. It's awesome. I'm like, I need to write a book. I want to read that story. Man, we need to get these guys to come to Pathfinders. Yes, and do and do a presentation. How I survived in the uh, Colombian Peruvian jungle. Yes. Oh man, we need to train pathfinders. If, for those who don't know what pathfinders, kind of like scouts. It's kind of like scouts. It's the Christian, Christian version. Christian version of scouts, and they do like all kinds of hiking expeditions and and you know learning how to tie knots and start fires and build tents and all that stuff. Man, we need to need to get these people. Do on a course line. on surviving in the South American rainforest because it's going to be really useful for Australians. But anyway, somehow, <laughs> somehow. Um, now nah, there'd be a lot of useful information there oh, for sure. For sure. Okay, last, last little story curious. I have. Um, dude, this kid, his name's Keone Ching. He's from Vancouver, um, which makes a lot of sense. And basically, he was like, you know what? I'm going to wipe out all the student um, lunch debt from my school by selling keychains. And next thing you know, he sold 800 keychains at $5 a piece and raised $4,000. Oh, and um, not only wiped the debt from his school, but six other schools. That's amazing. So, yeah. Keychains. Making moves. Entrepreneurial. All right. Now, this is Ryan Proudfoot with a man named Job. was a man with all the possessions that this world could hold The fathers of riches seemed to overflow But all he wanted was you A blameless man who feared God turned away from evil The greatest man his land had ever known But all he wanted was you Tempter came to try to set the Lord against his soul To strip away all that he'd ever owned But all he wanted was you Yeah, just you Just you Sure. 
and starts to shave his head Looks to the sky and then somehow he says God, your wonderful ways no man can understand. So now I'll give you my days, cause all I need is you. That was Ryan Proudfoot with a man named Job. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We are about to have another clue for our quiz. Nobody's got this one yet, but I'm sure they're about to, so get ready to give us a call. Okay, here we go. What city am I? Rachel died on the way to this city. See, that's a harder clue than the first one. Yeah, I know. It's not unusual that the second clue is harder than the first one. But anyway, if you know the number, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. Okay, so I've got a couple of controversial stories this morning. I'm going to start with this one coming out of... Uh, and they don't sound controversial to begin with, but I'm going to start with this one coming out of uh, Louisiana mm-hmm. where a house fire was stopped by Bible verses written on the studs. What? How is this that? Is, this is this is in in the secular media. This is this is not some. This is this is news.com.au. Okay, okay. Just let's let's. I want to hear this story. All right. So here's here's what happened. The people who are building the house, they wanted uh, God to bless their house, and so you know, old mate, while he's building it, um, you know, he stopped for smoke or whatever, and uh, um, he was a Christian, and so he'd just take out his. Um, you know, is, is is sharpie and and write some Bible verses. You know, on the on the wall studs. Mm. 
it's just kind of a nice thing to do. And then, of course, as as you're building the house, you know, you're being reminded of scriptures, you know, as you walk around the mm. work site and so forth. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, then the house, you know, sometime later, the house catches on fire. And the fire actually rips through the entire house, completely destroys it. I mean, all of the all of the walls and everything. If you look at the photos of it, I mean, you look at this. You look at this oh, yeah, house wow. fire. It's, 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 it's gone. It's right? gone. Yeah. It's and then gone. and then the fires have put it out. And there's really just the roof is gone. There's blackened wall studs that are left. Um, there's nothing left inside. And then you find these random studs with Bible verses written on them. Wall studs that are just untouched, and you can actually see where the fire has come right oh, up to the verse word. and stopped. Look at that! That comes another one. Amazing! Look at this, right around the edges of it. The fire, the fire is actually burning up to. It's burning the studs that it's written on, and it's burning up to the words, and that's where it's stopping and leaving them untouched. And leaving them untouched. That is amazing. That that actually, I'm 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 it's blowing my mind, Lyle. Like that is that's incredible. It's pretty spectacular. Okay, so you can look at you can see it on uh, news.com.au. Um, now the question that goes through my mind is this: What was God doing here? God could have stopped the fire. I mean, it's got Bible verses written on the studs, and it's obviously a miracle that it has stopped at the Bible verses. But why didn't God go the whole way and stop the fire so the house didn't burn down and these poor people didn't lose their home? Hmm. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. <laughs> it's a very valid question, isn't it? Uh, from my perspective, I would say, like, look, these people are clearly people. Uh, they're writing, you know, Bible verses on the wall stud. They're people who want to glorify God through their life. Yeah, they're owner builders. And God saw an opportunity to do that. And that was probably something they had been praying for, like, God, help us to be a witness. And, and I don't know. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yes. Because, uh, you know, a number of people, you know, as it's gone viral on Twitter and all this kind of thing, um, God, you know, some, someone wrote in, why would God burn their house to the ground? Seems a little cruel. Mm. And you can kind of see where that's coming from. However, think about this. Bad things happen to good people all the time because we live in a world of sin. Yes. The message that has gone to the owners of this home is a very clear message. Yes, something bad has happened. No, I haven't forgotten you. Mm. Yeah. You know, that'd be really encouraging in a time of tragedy like this. Yes. The second thing that goes through my mind is this. Let's say that God has stopped the fire. Mm. Let's say the house never caught fire. Would we be talking about it this morning? No. On the other side of the world, would it be on mainstream secular media on the other side of the world? No, it wouldn't. So maybe God is doing something else here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think that uh, often we look at these kind of things a little bit too simplistically, um, and that you know, there's a bigger picture here, and God sees a bigger picture, and He's like, well, you know, you live in a world of sin, bad things are going to happen. There's going to be collateral damage. There's no meaning to it other than the fact that you live in a world of sin, um, mm. and we shouldn't try and draw meaning out of it. But I haven't forgotten you, and what's more, I'm going to use what you did when you built this house as a witness. To kind of the whole world, I'm going to make this thing go viral. Wow. Mm. So yeah, I see. A, I see a positive in this, even though you know I think we um, we need to feel for the people who lost their home. We need yeah, to fully. remember them in our prayers. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, thirty-seven thousand shares, thirteen hundred comments so far, and counting. 
as it goes around the world. Mm. Uh, I did promise coronavirus update. Um, the coronavirus infection is doubling every five days with 427 dead so far. Um, the Chinese government has just opened a new 1,500-bed hospital. We mentioned yesterday that mm. they... Um, built in 10 days. Built in 10 days, and they're about to open the second corona hospital. has has 1,000 beds. They've turned the local stadium into a 3,500-bed hospital. Um, so these guys are going hard. Um, there's a number of theories, you know, kind of... Um, running around that onions will cure coronavirus. No, they won't. But they will taste good and they are good for you. So please <laughs> yeah. do eat onions. They are amazing. One of my favourite foods, by the way. Oh. Um, and, of course, the other one is that face masks don't protect you from getting the virus. Wow. They prevent you from spreading it. Mm. Now, Asians understand that and know that, and that's why Asians wear face masks. When you see an Asian with a face mask, it doesn't mean that he's trying not to get a disease. It simply means that, you know, he's got a few sniffles and doesn't want to share it, which is super polite and super nice. Mm. Um, So that's that story. Another story that's interesting. Just quickly, though. Yes. I I was talking to someone about coronavirus yesterday. Yes. And they, they hit me with a controversial statement. They're like... They said, they told me, and I don't know if if you've done any research into this, but they were like, hey, look, I like coronavirus, the only people that are dying from it are people who are elderly and who are already sick. That's right. And the fact is, is that coronavirus isn't actually that big of an issue. And if you're young and healthy, then you'll get over it. That's right. So It's a really, really nasty flu. Mm. Basically, it's what it's like. So is there too much hype around coronavirus? Oh, Absolutely. But it is incredibly infectious mm. and it is exploding all over the place and the Chinese wouldn't be building these big hospitals and so forth if it wasn't some you know a significant threat. Yeah, sure. And also the other thing is that, you know, shouldn't we be caring about our elderly elderly people yeah, and, and going hard to stop this thing as much as we can? hundred uh, percent. But the key to surviving coronavirus is to stay fit and healthy. And, um, of course, it wouldn't exist if people followed the Bible. <laughs> there you End go. End of story comes from eating unclean animals. Okay, not that it was necessarily part of it, but that's how it came into the, uh, you know, from a marketplace. Mm. Anyway, so I want to talk about this other story very quickly. The Vatican has just turned one of their palaces, because if you go to Vatican City, it's made up of a collection of chapels and palaces, and they've just turned one of their palaces, Pope Francis has just turned one of their palaces into a homeless shelter. Where? In Vatican City? In Vatican City. First homeless shelter actually in Vatican Vatican, uh, City. So the Palazzo, Palazzo, I can't do Italian, Uh, Migliori, uh, or the Migliori Migliori Palace has been turned into a... um, (coughs) into a homeless shelter. So this prime real estate is just off St. Peter's uh, Square, which is round. Um... And it's in place of what they had proposed using the building for, and that was a luxury hotel. Okay, who is it a homeless shelter for? Citizens of Vatican City? No, anyone in Rome. Okay, okay, cool. Cool, that's good to know. There's room there for about 50 men and women, um, and that can be significantly increased during the colder months where they can, you know, pack them in Mm. um, as needed. Which is, oh, it has uh, counselling rooms, has library, has computer rooms, and a recreation area. Wow. Which is kind of nice. That's awesome. I think this is an awesome thing to do. One of the things that you go, when you, one of the things that happens when you go through the, your, your Vatican tour is you're just disgusted by the obscenity of the wealth. Mm. It's just dripping 
oozing with wealth and you kind of think, well, what would happen if you took this wealth and actually put it towards some good around the world? Mm. But there is also another way of looking at it. And this is one of the things that went through my mind. Is this, and this is, this is my, I scare myself with my cynicism sometimes. Mm. But my cynical side says, okay, if you turned it into a, and I did some, some quick calculations on it, if you turned it into a luxury hotel, you could have an income of about 5.4 million per year. And how many homeless shelters could you build with that? Ooh. <laughs> so is this just a publicity stunt? Anyway, it's a good thing that uh, the homeless are being taken care of in Rome, and we should probably leave it at that and move on with Brooke, Fa- Brooke Fraser with Faithful. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. There's distance in the air And I cannot make it leave I wave my arms round about me And blow with all my might I cannot sense you close Though I know you're always here But the comfort of you near Is what I long When I can't feel you, I have learned to reach out just the same.
You're listening to Brooke Fraser with Faithful here on The Breakfast Show and Lawson's about to give us another clue for a quiz. Go for it, Lawson. Okay. Here we go. What city am I? Alimelech and Naomi lived in this city. Okay. I could have got it from that one. How good is that name? Alimelech. Alimelech. That's awesome. Um, man, that's that's mate, that's going on the child name shortlist right there. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Lawson's new son, Alimelech. What, what we should, what will we? They call him Eli. <laughs> yeah, Eli for short. Limelech, or uh, in good Australian fashion, just call him Lemo. Limo. <laughs> Lemo. <laughs> Be awesome. Hey, uh, joining us on the phone this morning is uh, David Haupt, who comes on um, uh, every week to talk about. Um, Mental health, uh, depression, anxiety, all those kind of things. David, welcome, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, let me see if we can get this working here. Hello, David, are you there? Good morning. Good morning. morning. Yes, great to have you on the show, David. David, there's something specific I wanted to ask you about this morning. That was a news story that we covered yesterday, um, and it's been you know fairly front and centre for a number of days now, this terrible, terrible tragedy that happened in Sydney where this, you know, this family of you know, six children had half of their children wiped out in an instant by a drunk driver. Now, I think there's probably a range of emotions in the community in relationship to the perpetrator of this crime. Um, you know, anyone from, it, it, ranging anywhere from people who just, you know, want to see him hung, drawn and quartered, you know, um, injected with coronavirus or whatever it might be, through to the response of the mother who has responded by forgiving the guy. Is, is, in, in a time of tragedy like that, is that the correct thing to do? Is forgiveness the correct response when you've just had half of your family wiped out in the most unimaginable tragedy? Well, the normal human response is that we want revenge. We want, we want to hate, we want to feel that anger, we want to nurse that pain and we want to hold it in. That's your normal reaction. But you know what? Um, the, the, the Christian is the most forgiven person on planet Earth. The incredible forgiveness that God has given us. And it's interesting in the news report on this woman where the news media actually responds to this, actually refers to the fact that um, it is a faith that brings it to this point. Now, she is a Maronite, which is an Eastern Catholic church that has its origin in Mount Lebanon. That's her faith. In other words, he, she draws from that strength as a Christian, but still does it make it easy? Many, many years ago, as a family, we faced exactly the same as my brother's daughter was killed. And uh, he, he, he brought in the person that was the driver into his family and accepted him as a son in his home. And many people looked at that and asked the question, how long will this last? When will the anger, when will the resentment, when will the pain become so unbearable that it will switch over into uh, anger and resentment? By the way, Scripture says in Proverbs seventeen twenty two, 
uh, that a broken spirit dries the bones. And it's interesting that the word that uh, is there translated as broken really refers to bitterness, which medical science has indicated really dries out our bone marrow that produces blood and therefore does dry bones. Mm. So there's a destructive part in bitterness, in resentment, and in holding uh, that pain back. But how do you process what does forgiveness really mean? Uh, and what does it doesn't mean? Is is one of the crucial questions that we really have to ask yourself. I think also, and, and if I could just move away from the family for a moment, there's a collective um, or corporate you know, mourning over this tragedy. I think right across Australia, people have been struck by the level of this tragedy and just and just been horrified by it. You see so many people, you know, just turning up at the uh, at, at the site where it happened and and, and, pl- and laying wreaths there and and flowers and whatnot. Um, do we, as a community, need to? practice some kind of forgiveness as well because my natural reaction to hearing something like that is not a reaction of forgiveness my natural reaction is that reaction of revenge you know let's let's see this guy get locked up forever um it's 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 kind of it's kind of where my headspace goes to do i need to be practicing forgiveness towards this guy as well uh, as, as I said, our human reaction is to want to have that uh, resentment and their pain actually brings up our own awareness of our own mortality and the pain of our past. And therefore, somewhere deep inside us is a mixture of emotions happening. And um, I, I I'm reading the reports that says throw the book at them, not just at the driver, but even at the, the passengers in his car. Mm, mm. We want we want retru- retribution, and therefore the question, Lol, that we need to ask: When I forgive, does that really mean that there will be no more consequences? Okay, that's a really good question because as Christians, we are told to forgive. And you were just mentioning in your family where your brother took somebody into his home who had, you know, taken the life of his child. And the question that was going through my mind is, you know, did did that mean that there was no consequences? And in this case, should there be no consequences as well? Let's, let's just make a statement on what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is neither a feeling, nor forgetting, nor is it excusing. But forgiveness is a decision modeled, I believe, after God's forgiveness for us. A decision not to hold an offense against the other person in our hearts. So in other words, the first area that forgiveness impacts is not the other person, but in reality, a decision that that event will not control my heart anymore. Right, so this this, this guy's looking at, you know, 24, 25 years of jail time. So the jail time won't go away, but what happens is you, that, 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 that person will no longer, you know, live rent-free, so to speak, in this other person's mind. They, that person will not reign and control them because what bitterness does, it destroys us internally. It, it takes over and it robs us from the peace that we should have. 
you know, in our life and therefore um, it destroys us. And therefore forgiveness is saying you have no more control in my own life. I'm setting you free from that. Mm. But it does not mean that there will be no consequences. Yes. So often, often even Christians use forgiveness as a form of escapism. So uh, we we tend to say, I forgive you, but in reality, we harbor that resentment and we start what we call triangulation. Uh, I think the, the, you know, in the modern English translation, we use the word gossip uh, about it and uh, we, we break the other person down. To forgive someone is in actual fact saying, I will not do that anymore. I will in actual fact face the consequences and make sure in this case that there will be a legal uh, ramification to to the events. And community is angry. They, uh, as you correctly say, there's even calls from medical doctors that um, that there should be a zero alcohol tolerance. Totally supportive. That's uh, a fantastic idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and 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 if we can if we can harness that anger within the community to, to produce something positive like that, you know, at least something good comes out of a tragedy um, such as this on 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 this kind of occasion. The sad thing is that resentment and anger doesn't help you to think uh, clearly and positively. It actually absorbs your entire thinking and emotions, and it's an emotional reaction instead of a a true thinking through things. Yeah, and I think this is a valid point uh, because, I mean, I've always supported the concept of a uh, a 0% blood alcohol level. There's, you know, we've got 26 countries around the world that already have that, um, but it, 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 it takes emotion, you know, because I can stand up and give all of the reasoning in the world for it and nobody's listening to me until emotion becomes involved in the in the argument. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Mm. Now, it, w- w- coming back to this family, and you know, it's it, th- they have just impressed me so much, both the mother and the father, in the statements they've made to the media and the attitude that they've taken towards this particular tragedy. And I, I and I, I really appreciate what you said about pointing out that um, you know their response is driven by their Christian faith, which yep. is um, it's actually become an incredibly powerful testimony Australia wide. Of the power of Christianity. When, you know, when a per- you know, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. You, you go. You fi- when you a person, sorry. when a person goes through a tragedy like this and is going through the process of mourning um, the, the the loss of a, a loved one, in this case, you know, three family members, three children, um, we're told that a person goes through different stages of mourning. That's true. Is this forgiveness that they're practicing right now just one of those stages that they're going to pass through, or is this something that's really coming from God that is different from the normal procedure that someone might you know, go through who is doing this without God in their life? When I go through a, a tremendous loss, it actually disrupts my own sense of self. It uh, disrupts my equilibrium in life, and it leaves me... In, a folk, in an area where I'm completely disorientated. And therefore, I go through a, a disbelief stage, a bargaining phase. I go into major anger normally. What we see in this family is an orientation. 
not a disorientation. In other words, there is something that anchors them and gives them a stability within what was it, 24 hours, that this mother steps forward and says, we will forgive him. Uh, there's something far greater above them that anchors them and stabilizes them. And a text comes to mind in Philippians 2.13 that says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, um, God becomes the central focal point for this family at the time of grief. And therefore helps them to be able to respond completely different to what the world would respond. And it just blows the, you know, everyone else's mind. Because at the time of tragedy like this, you want exactly the opposite. You want, you want to blame, you want to fixate your attention on getting that revenge. Uh, I, I resonate with those emotions because I, I recall how it felt like as I rushed over to support my family with a, a terrible grief. Uh, how do you deal with this? And your your faith has to kick in somewhere. Mm, mm. What what effect do you think this is going to have on the perpetrator? <sighs> I hope that their faith that has really anchored them will become an anchor point in his life. That's what I hope and pray for. And I hope that that will bring him to, to that conviction of, uh, of changing his life. Do we, uh, do we have, is this, is this something that we see taking place when somebody, you know, who's not necessarily a believer in God or so forth, but receives undeserved forgiveness? Because really this is what it is. Unde we would say undeserved forgiveness that... Do we see that having a major impact on, you know, the other person as far as their healing process goes? I have seen in a number of cases, I come originate from a very violent country and a person that I know very well uh, lost their life where uh, at that stage what was deemed as terrorist uh, walked into a... Um, a restaurant area and threw petrol bombs and hand grenades and the mother of this person that passed away uh, went to prison to go and see that person took her it took that person in her arms and said i forgive you and his response eventually he, he couldn't believe it he expected the anger and the spitting of angry words what he found was completely the opposite and that eventually brought him to the point where he said i can't live my life the way that i used to live anymore i've got to live it for a higher order mm. Mm. powerful testimony david uh thank you so much for joining us this morning and sharing your insights uh particularly into a tragedy that i think is affecting all of our lives right now we need to uh, move on with the show at this time. This is uh, Kate Hollingsworth with The Way He Loves Me. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Well, I like the way he loves me. I enjoy the freedom he gave to me. And I delight in his presence. As he sings over me I love to be loved by my Lord 
the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Thou my wisdom, thou my truth. 